Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Orient Express, where our investigation continues in Milan. So, before we get started on this episode, I think it is prescient to mention that we have a patron and that you can support us at the Old Ways Podcast uh, over on Patreon. We would love to see you join us, especially uh, now that the fun new things in our Patreon have, have expanded. We have a third campaign coming soon, which we now know is going to be our Vampire the Masquerade game. We are super excited for it. And so we hope you'll stick around and listen to not only our Call of Cthulhu stuff, but then the coming of the Children of Cain. For now, though, we're going to do introductions. And so to my right. Hello, I'm Mike, and I'm playing James Robert Fraser. And in the company of Mr. Simon Griffith, I'm off to the police station. I can't imagine that'll end well. Uh, and to, to Mr. Fraser's right. Hi, I'm Rena. I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and I'm having a go at being the optimistic one in this group. Not sure I like it very much, but we'll see see how it goes. Hmm. Yes, I think that it's an interesting positional change for you, Lady Elizabeth. It's not really your normal role, but um, you're willing to play the part if, if necessary. Someone has to chin up and, and, and keep going. Keep calm and carry on. Yes. At the end of the table. Hi, this is Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith. And I think the only reason why that Lady E is positive is because it's fueled by cocaine. Hmm. Yes, she has been um, properly medicating herself for a um, bit of uh, you know, muscle or, or uh, bone discomfort, but there's really nothing wrong with a little cocaine between her and her physician. Last but most certainly not least. Hi, I'm Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger, who is very concerned about one Richard Courtney. He's always been kind of a dusty fellow, but I didn't think it would ever come to this. You know, I didn't either. It's clear he's left uh, Milan to um, star in the next uh, Blue Man Group audition. (laughs) So, as we raise the curtain tonight, Mr. Fraser and Simon have returned to the hotel in Milan where they are uh, stepping through into the eatery and then us up to the rooms to return to the group and uh, give a report, I would suppose, of what they found already about Miss Cavallero and then also some of the other goings-on here in Milan. Gentlemen, you enter that hallway upstairs, third floor, and you can see quite clearly that there's something on the floor. There's a... looks like is that some sort of blue dust is on the floor? You can see it's collected around uh, Professor Courtney's door. And uh, I suppose then, to set our scene properly, Miss um, Bellinger, what would you be um, doing with the, well, the dust? Well, 
if I remember correctly, we left the room and shut it and decided we should not go in there. Correct? And then we, like, had a rest, uh, caught our breath. Our footprints are probably all over in that dust. Oh, yes. And and we're maybe back in Lady Elizabeth's room. I imagine I haven't changed. There's still, like, bits of dust on me everywhere. Mm-hmm. be smeared on my face yeah. in a couple of spots. Yeah, you can hear just beyond your door footsteps in the hallway close to your doorway. Does it sound like the heavy footsteps of one Mr. Simon Griffin? <laughs> it does. It does. I've come to know them, the steps of one Mr. Fraser and Mr. Griffith. Um, Lady Elizabeth, I, I I, believe the gentlemen are back. Ah, excellent. We could use some muscle. We can't let them go in, in that room. Remember, Paul said it would be best if we if no one goes in there. Well, I don't think they're going to be breaking down the professor's door. Speaking of that, gentlemen. I think under normal circumstances, Mr. Fraser would be um, quite put out by the mess in the in the hallway and would be instantly down to uh, to call on housekeeping to uh, to tidy it up. Um, but bearing in mind that this is Professor Courtney's room, uh, he's a little more concerned. M- Mr. Griffith, uh, do you see that? Would you mind checking on Mr. Courtney to make sure he's all right? I'll, I'll see if uh, Lady Elizabeth is, is well. Of course I will. It's not like I'm going to have to break down the door or anything. I just need to get the money out from underneath his bed. Absolutely. I can't see any necessity to break down the door. So, uh, Simon, you open the door, um, and something is very wrong in here. There's a a large pile, um, somewhat of a collection of this blue powder. It has the consistency of a talcum or a, a baby powder, and it's piled up along the bed it looks like at one point it held a form and has fallen almost as if a a souffle <laughs> has uh, has fallen there on the bed and there's powder just in a, in a, a large amount of it you would say uh, uh, several pounds of it have been not scattered but collected in certain areas and it trails near towards the entrance as well and then you can see that there are footprints in it or I should say shoe prints in it and then it looks like also uh, it at one point went towards a corner of the room too. Uh, but you do not find the professor in here. It's okay. He's probably out. I'm looking under the bed. Um. Yeah. I mean, his trunk is under there. And one of his suitcases is under there. Pop the suitcase that I know the money's in since I've handled it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it looks like it's all there. I mean, you've got to kind of scoot around some of the dust obviously. Like, if you pull the suitcase out, you will move a, a bit of the dust with it. It's impossible, unless you lift the bed. No, I'm I'm not worried. It's just dust. I've dealt with yeah. coal dust before. Sure. This is just blue dust, so I'm, I'm, I'm covering my mouth because I don't want to inhale it. You don't want a mouthful of the professor? Well, I don't know it's the professor. I mean, as far as I know, it's, you know, it's, it's still don't want to breathe it. I mean... Some of us are not intaking powder at this time. Right. Some. We'll get the rest of you. Don't worry. You you pull out the suitcase and um, you open it up and you see the very prepared stacks of money. I'm going to close it first, sweep all the blue dust off of it, carry it out of the room and uh, join up with Mr. Fraser. So I'll go and knock on uh, Lady Elizabeth's door. Okay. Yeah, you knock on her door. Yes. 
your ladyship, it's uh, Mr. Fraser here. Uh, may I come in? Ah, oh, yes, Mr. Fraser. Do enter. And bring Mr. Griffith with you, if he's around. And whatever you do, don't go in Richard's room. Why ever not? Uh, Mr. Griffiths is, is, is there uh, attending to him as we speak. No. I'll go into the room. Ah, Miss Bellinger. Maggie rushes past Mr. Fraser to get Simon out of that room. What? What? what, what what's the to do? Uh, there's been some sort of an incident. Is Mr. Courtney all right? We don't know. He wasn't in his room, but there was a large quantity of dust. And apparently screaming. Screaming? Who was doing the screaming? According to Miss Bellinger, it was the dust. The, the, the dust? Screaming in the professor's voice, yes. Uh, I think perhaps she's a little oh. over-emotional and overexcited. Lord. Uh, perhaps overworked as well. Obviously it can't have been that, but there was definitely screaming. And a lot of dust. Well, um, I suppose we'd better go and see what's happening. I, I, I'm quite at a loss, Your Ladyship. Screaming? Well, I mean, if you heard screaming, where was it coming from? Um, I think perhaps it was coming from outside or even elsewhere in the building, but because she was so flustered and, and stressed and, and worried uh, for the professor, she just thought it was coming from the pile of dust in the room since he was nowhere to be found. Ah, yes, but indeed, perhaps it was somebody on the street or, or perhaps the, the, the shrill cry of a, of a nearby bird or something. Yes, perhaps. Uh, but either way, we need to keep everyone out of the professor's room. Paul is doing some analysis of, of the dust or whatever it was we found in there. But in the meantime, we have no idea where the professor is. And the last time you saw him, he was in his room, yes? Well, he was going to his room. We saw him before we left for the library. Um, it appears we have two missing persons to uh, investigate. Yes, indeed it does. Hills are alive with the sounds of missing persons. Or, more accurately, very, very quiet with the sounds of missing persons who aren't there. Well, not if Miss Bellinger is to be believed. She's not missing as well, is she? Oh, no, no, of course not. I, I just saw her a moment ago. You just ago. saw her, Mr. Fraser. Oh, this, this, this has been quite a day, Your Ladyship, quite a day. Well, perhaps you ought to see Paul for a pick-me-up. Uh, I'm, I'm quite, uh, quite all right in, in that respect, Your Ladyship. Uh, a good strong cup of tea will, uh, will see me right. Well, perhaps uh, before we uh, attend to that need, we should... Uh, Retrieve Miss Bellinger before she does some harm to Mr. Griffith. Yes, indeed, yes. Speaking of, Maggie, it's fairly clear that um, Simon is likely in that room and you're propelled by your very need to make sure that no one goes in that room. And disturbs this dust because a part of me still thinks that this is Richard. Si Simon, get get out of there. What are you doing? Don't disturb it. Don't. No, we have to it, We have to leave as much of the dust in here as we can. You have to get out of there. He has it, like, all over his hands. It's all over one of the cases, and he's kind of, like, sweeping it off the Richard's case, and it's kind of, it's it's all over the place now. Put it, put it back, but the, the, that, the dust could be Richard. We don't know yet. He's missing, and I came back, and all there was was this dust, and it was in his shape, and it was standing up, and it, it fell apart, and it screamed, and it screamed in Richard's voice. And you're 
You're getting him everywhere. I'm looking at the blue dust. Mm, it doesn't really look. Yeah, I mean, he's like gritting it between his fingers and it does cake a little bit. Paul took some of it to do an analysis, but just a, just a very little bit. So I'm sure that it was it was fine. But we have to we have to leave the, the rest of it as much as we can here. OK, ma'am. I, I stand in the doorway. I set the suitcase outside. I take off my coat covered in dust and my gloves, toss them back in the room so the dust stays in the room. And um, I, I walk over to my room with the suitcase. I realize there's some dust on it. Yeah. Um, Maggie, I'd like you to make me a power roll. Okay. And and for your part, uh, Simon, this is very similar in texture to coal dust. It's got a lot of the same sort of consistencies. It's got a carbon slimy feel to it. Absolutely. 14 under 75. Yeah, you hold it together really well, um, but it is distressing to see what you think could be any portion of what might be Richard be ground between hit the thumb and forefinger of Mr. Griffith. Oh, yeah. The, I, yeah. That not bothered me before having to do a power roll. I put the suitcase under my bed with the other you know, with my trunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I take out 150 sterling. Okay. And then I come back in and I go back to Miss Maggie in the hallway that Miss Maggie, we need to sit down and talk. And I do apologize, but there are pressing matters. Yes, but can we sit down in a, in a, a just a different room? That's fine. We're just, we're going to leave this one shut and... Paul's going to do his analysis, and we're going to figure out what happened to Richard, and we're going to get him back. Lady Elizabeth said that he's just somewhere else and that it's not here, but I don't fully believe that, but I, I told her that I would have faith in that. Miss Maggie, don't really- I, was wa- I was watching out for the professor. We will get him back. We have one other missing person we have to find, too, and we actually have a lead on that one. So let's sit down and talk with the others and come up with a plan. We will get the professor. Well, if there's one thing that I do have faith in, it's your diligence in protecting Richard. So, yes, we should. Let's sit down and talk. I think Fraser's just kind of come out of his room to to look look for the two of you. So we'll probably end up meeting in the hallway. Ah, uh, Fraser. Hi. We need to have a sit down with all of us. Where is it safe? Well, I suppose it's as safe in any of our rooms as uh, as any other, except for the professors. I think we should get Paul too. I, if you think so, I yes. Well, I'll I'll go and get him, um, and we can meet up. We could just all go to Paul's room. Aye, although, although perhaps I I should uh, I should go there first, just to um, pre-warn him that uh, there's going to be an an inundation of of guests uh, arriving. <laughs> warn Paul that slowly he will be mobbed by people. Basically, yes. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, you knock on Paul's door. He uh, steps over and opens the door. Oh, um, yes, sir. Ah, Mr. Maverhaven, uh, good to see you. Um, I wonder, uh, would it be uh, acceptable to you if um, all of us uh, met momentarily uh, here in, in your room? Uh, there's uh, a couple of matters we'd like to discuss. I um, I, I suppose I'm, I'm doing some, some chemical tests right now, but uh, nothing that should be um, too dangerous for anybody. 
Oh, on this uh, this this blue dust substance that uh, mm. found. Yes. It's, it's much more of a, a thick powder, but but more on that later. But yes, please, um, I'm I'm happy to entertain you with the space I have. Very well, I'll uh, I'll I'll get the others. Of course. I'll turn and see all the others standing six feet away. It's safe. <laughs> come away in. Come away in. Um, so you all kind of crowd into Paul's room. Uh, there's very similar furniture, right? So there's a single chair. Um, there's a bed, which does not, which which is, has been um, has not been slept in yet because you haven't had a night here yet. Um, and Paul's suitcase is at the end of it. Um, he has a table which he has set near uh, the window, not in its normal position. And then on this circular table, there are several apparatuses. <laughs> he has uh, his medical bag out, and there is like a, a couple of beakers, and there's different solutions that he has sitting on the table. And it looks like one of the solutions has a bit of this dust in it. He turns to you all. Okay. Lady Elizabeth, you should... Take the chair, and then Maggie will just walk over and sit on Paul's bed. Yes, I'll take the chair. Mr. Fraser will stand. (laughs) I'm shocked. I'm going to lean against the door so it can't open. I'm also shocked. Um, So, you have have a a question, maybe, or is everything okay? I suppose, first and foremost, um, what what have you made of this uh, blue uh, powder substance? It's like coal. It's a lot like it, but it doesn't adhere to some of the same sort of properties. It doesn't do what I thought it would do. Um, And it does seem to stick together quite a bit if you add just the slightest bit of moisture to it. And so he takes a bit of it, and you can see him rim just the outside of his fingertip with a bit of what you think is water. And then he takes just a bit of the the dust that he has available to him and he seems to begin to make this almost gum like texture to it and you see his fingers and thumb separate and there's a thick line of this blue solution between them i agree with you paul it's got the same consistency as coal dust which would suggest it's potentially carbon based well i I think we kind of all are in a way, if I read my science books correctly. Correct, but what I'm saying is this is probably formerly organic material. Which doesn't bode well for our friend Professor Courtney. What do you mean by that? Well, um, if the blue dust and the amount that I'm seeing over there is to be believed, at least from what Miss Bellinger said there was an awful lot of it Mr. Frazier an awful lot of carbon are you uh, scotting around what I suspect you are Uh, well I would hate to put a thumb or finger on anything specific just in case there is some potential method that the press professor may use to have gotten himself into or out of a situation we, we know this is true, though. We, we know he is not in the room. And from what Miss Bellinger found, the device isn't either. What of his, uh, his clothing and such? Gone. At least whatever he was wearing. Hmm. 
I'm not going to count the professor out because here we are, we're looking at this. This is probably carbon based, as we said. But his device, his belt buckle, the eyelets on his shoes, etc., will not. Have you ever seen someone um, subject to a large amount of electrical current? Electrical, no. Fire and other some uh, energies, yes. Everything I'm seeing here as far as the powder and the solutions and some of the carbon that it's left over makes me feel like there was a massive surge of electrical energy in the room. You can even see on the floor in there, if you look under some of the powder, there's a burn mark. Have you ever seen electricity and burn marks on wood? Well, as a matter of fact, we have, yes. On the ferry. Um, but again, on that same notice, electrical, high energy conducting, it might break glass, but it's, or melt it, but it's not going to turn it to a carbon based thing. No. Same with his metal. The metal would melt, but it would not turn to powder. If the heat content was high enough to melt the metal, it would set the room on fire. Exactly. So I'm thinking we are dealing with another strange thing here. Paul shivers. And surely somebody would have heard something as well. I mean, you can't have that uh, that uh, amount of energy expended without somebody hearing something. Surely there must be some sort of cacophony involved. Yes, I wouldn't, wouldn't think so. I was three doors down from him, and all I heard was the streets of Milan and some dog barking. No, something, something else has happened here. I, I, I'm at a complete loss to, to comprehend what it is, but... We are going to have to find him. Where do we even start, though? Jim, focus. We came back here because we needed to get some grease, which I now have. I had to go into the professor's room for it, but we believe we know how to find... Uh, the missing Miss Caballero. By Greece, of course, Mr. Griffith means money. That's a foul term, Lady Elizabeth. Mm, Signorina Caballero's driver was uh, supposed to meet her at the uh, at the station. However, he was a little late, and uh, apparently she and her two companions went off with somebody else. When he did arrive, the driver made uh, something of a scene and was carted off by the uh, by the black shots. We believe he's being held in the local uh, police station. Uh, we're going to go and see if uh, if a little uh, friendly persuasion and, uh, as, as Mr. Griffith rightly says, a little palm greasing um, will allow us to uh, interview the man at the very least, possibly even affect his release. I mean, I, I would normally rely on uh, Miss Lady E's uh, skills and her... Uh her stature in society, but with the changes that have happened in Italy and the lovely people in black shirts in power, I don't think her stature would not count as much anymore. Yes, I hardly think it would be helpful in this sort of situation. What worries me even more, I have to say, is that, well... The young lady and her two friends were taken away in an Alfa Romeo motor vehicle. Uh, now, 
these these vehicles are uh, uh, fairly pricey and and would most likely be driven by somebody with a some considerable amount of uh, well money if not power and influence um, and well there's a there's a wee nagging thought in the back of my head that perhaps somebody if if not the duke himself but perhaps somebody of that uh, of that like may uh, may well have uh, have intervened in this situation i can't think why they would have or what connection they would have with miss cavallero unless it was uh, in some way connected with us but uh, well, I am worried about her. I am indeed, and I would like to find out what's happened to her as soon as I possibly can. Jim, I wouldn't say it's necessarily us, because it could be that this is some wealthy, rich, petty noble who merely desires to keep Lady Caballero for himself. That's entirely a possibility, too. It seemed to be somebody that she knew at any rate. Uh, she she did not, uh, from what I understand, express a any concern about uh, getting into his car and driving off with him, so there was a certain amount of trust there. Maggie, you're starting to smell something in the room. It smells a little like like a wet animal. Paul, do you have a animal in here? Oh, uh, no, no, but I think I know what you're smelling. What? He goes over to the... Um, university level science kit that he keeps with him and gets out one of the bottles and brings it over to you it doesn't smell any better the closer he brings it no you don't have to show me so closely you can keep it over there no no this this is this is important though okay it's important it's important he kind of taps the interior and you see some of the dust this blue dust that's in it is floating around inside of it you see it begin making concentric circles it starts almost forming a pattern as it's in this liquid that he has. That is very strange, but what does it what does it mean, Paul? Oh, um, well, it means that whatever this and liquid, he kind of taps it. Um, well, the the liquid here is well, we don't I don't really like to use it unless it's necessary, but of course it's it's ether. Yes. It's a testing agent I'm using. Okay. It's a it's a uh, it's a solvent. And if you're not careful with it, then okay. it can make you a little lightheaded. The smell only came when you put Richard when I in put it. This, we do not know that for certain, Miss Ballinger, so please let's just be careful with the are um, jumping to any sort of conclusions. Okay, so you put the dust in the ether and... And ether, which is normally either pleasant Mm -hmm. or odorless, now carries a very strong reactive odor. Okay. It's a test, much like any other scientific test I would do. Yes, but what does it mean? It means that the dust makes something that is not normally such a harsh smell, smell terrible. That's it. That's all it means. Okay, but how is that going to help us find Richard if that's not Richard? (sighs) Yes. Uh, Miss Bellinger, he goes and like sets the, the small vial down. I am not saying it is going to be helpful. 
but it is another test that we must do to figure out the that answer to the question you want, which is where is the professor, right? Yes, but if you don't know what answer it provides or the purpose of the test, then I don't understand. The, the purpose of the test is to see what the powder reacts to. That's the entire purpose of gathering the powder was to test it, yes? Well, yes, but with a means to the finding Richard if he's not the powder. I think what Miss Ballinger is, is trying to say, if, if you'll forgive me, is, uh, well, you have a, a reaction from this uh, blue powder substance with ether and it makes a smell. So what conclusions can you reach from, uh, from observing these results? Ah, uh, so I don't believe, given the reaction, I don't believe that the powder is Richard at all. Because if you put Richard in ether, he doesn't smell bad. Right. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know, but um, <laughs> I wouldn't know for certain, of course. But um, I mean, having never prescribed ether to the professor nor dipped him in it, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't be able to completely tell you, yes or no. Although I do say that the smell is awful mammalian. Um, there's a definite yes. It smells like a wet dog. Yes. To it. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. And I've smelled the professor a number of times, and that is not what he smells like. Paul stops and looks around, then turns to Simon and says, You'd mentioned that um, this thing might be something a little um, um, different. This maybe, or, or maybe it was Lady Elizabeth who said that this could be another one of the um, strange occurrences. This is fairly strange, yes? Oh, that was me, yeah. Yes, I would say it's quite strange. That's a bit of an understatement. You're a fairly well-read um, and educated woman. Um, have you come across anything like this in any of the books you've read? Well, nothing springs to mind at the moment, but I do have some texts with me. I could do some reading, some research, since I'm not likely to be much help at the police station or anywhere else. So hmm, I, could, I could do some... Some research into this, yes. Very well. Then I'll continue um, my work here. I guess if you need anything, if you um, need any help. <laughs> I'm not as um, learned in such subjects as you are, but I'm here and happy to, to serve as a sounding board. Yes, well, I do know where to find you. Indeed. I'm already calculating in my head where I want to start, which books I want to start with, and... <laughs> and um, <laughs> just what how much tea and how many biscuits i'm going to need to get through the the rest of this evening <laughs> i guess what i would ask you the player would be is which book are you going to use as reference material because obviously making cthulhu mythos roles which is what this will likely be is potentially aided by a book you may have in your um inventory <laughs> yes in in my little bag of tomes traveling library hmm if I look through my list of things, with with me looking at my pile of books as I go in to do some research, what book do I think, based on the reading I've done before, or based on titles, would be the most useful? Why don't you give us a short review of the books that you have? Do you have um, a German one? Yes, that I can't read because I don't speak German. Uh, and then... 
there was the the book the title i don't remember with the um strange drawings the very lewd drawings in it that i picked up in paris oh well that's not so much a, <laughs> yes. a tome it's a small leaflet of mm-hmm. pornography and some mythos lore but you could <laughs> you could totally use it if you no, want I, to I, I, don't. I mean it might not get you the answer you want but you could yeah. look at some scantily clad you know strange mm-hmm. women yeah i don't think it's going to be super helpful no i swear i typed these into my roll 20 character sheet when i got them and they did not save because this <laughs> the spot is now empty i wrote them in you could attempt to look for a German speaker. Uh, yeah, I could. Is, is that very likely in Italy? Um, I mean, I wouldn't imagine it's impossible to find somebody who speaks German. Paul, do you speak German? Um, I'll tell you what. Why don't you roll luck? And uh, we'll see if Paul speaks German. Uh, we we have said before that we we should ask Paul if he speaks German. <laughs> I don't think we ever did. Mm, uh, no, because you've already gotten that book, and I don't think mm-hmm. we, I don't think we did that part. So yeah, give me a luck roll, Elizabeth. Okay. We'll see if you get a um, German speaking. Failed it by five. Okay. Well, you can't spend luck on luck rolls. Nope. Unfortunately. Paul says, I mean, I picked a few words up um, during the war and all, but uh, I mean, other than that, not really. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Very well. I'll go s- speak to someone at the front desk, I suppose, see if they have anyone who could assist me, or at least a German dictionary. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'll continue my tests here, and I guess um, wait for you all to get back from the police station. Miss Bellinger? Uh, yes, Lady Elizabeth. Would you prefer to stay here and help me with my research? Would you like to go with the gentleman? Do you need a nap, perchance? Um, I I believe I'll stay here with you. Very well. I'll have some tea sent up. Um, you have had quite a terrible shock. Perhaps you should take some rest. Yes, I am getting um, quite tired. The the rush of of adrenaline possibly from from earlier just i was so worried about richard perhaps i can 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 rest a little bit more it wouldn't be a bad idea seeing as you don't speak german i'm going to go down to the front desk to ask about um, a german dictionary or someone who speaks german in the vicinity okay maggie will go to lady elizabeth's room to wait for her and she does okay. not want to be alone. I mean, it's locked, so you'll have to wait outside. <laughs> That's fine. I'll wait outside. Like a puppy. She waits outside. I mean, you could wait with Paul, but, you know, he's busy. No, um, you know, Paul has been doing things that Maggie does not understand in the slightest. And she does not want him to try to explain it to her again. I'm sure the hotel has a lounge bar that does cocktails and the like. Oh, absolutely. What what self-respecting bar wouldn't? That's how you keep the visitors in. Uh, so, Mr. Fraser and uh, Simon, you guys head out with uh, having acquired the grease money. Um, you, you head out from the hotel. I guess before we deal with Lady Elizabeth at the, the front desk, 
Uh, are the two of you taking anything I need to be aware of before you arrive at the police station? I am actually divesting myself of my knife and my pistol. Uh, because I don't want to be searched right. by the cops and be found with weapons. That is fair. That's quite a good idea, actually. Uh, I think if you suggest it um, to Mr. Fraser, he'll do the same thing. I am still carrying my roll of uh, banjo wire in my pocket. Okay, in case you need to garrote anybody. Wonderful. Well, you never know. No, well, that's true. Uh, so the two of you head out. Uh, Lady Elizabeth, you watch them uh, step out the front door and then off towards the police station in the evening. You inquire at the front desk, and the front desk tells you that they do have a member of staff here that speaks German uh, if you require their services. Ah, most excellent. If you'd be so kind as to point them in my direction. We'll send them up. Much obliged. Uh, a few minutes later, uh, you and uh, Maggie are sitting in your room with uh, aforementioned tea and lights and whatnot, and a... Uh, a young girl uh, knocks on your door. Yes. Uh, I was told that you needed a, a German speaker. He kind of looks inside. Ah, yes. Uh, I have this book, you see, that I can't... That was given to me and I can't read it. I was wondering if you could tell me the title and then perhaps if you had a dictionary or something mm. so I could uh, try to read it. I, uh, I apologize, uh, Madam. I do not have a dictionary, but I am fluent enough in German. She steps in. Mm. I'm happy to help in uh, any regard that I can. My name is Emma. Oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Mm. I am Lady Elizabeth. Oh. Perhaps you could tell me the title, and I'll show her the book. And then, uh, Is there any kind of table of contents or, or anything in the front? It doesn't look like there's a table of contents in the front of this, no. Um, but she places the book uh, on the table, right? She doesn't hold it in her hand. And she very carefully opens the book. It doesn't look like it's terribly too old. It looks like no more than maybe 100 years. And so the binding is pretty still uh, held fast together. She says, just on the interior page, you see a really big word it doesn't make any sense to you and she touches her hand just lightly over the pages and it says nameless cults and she looks up at you that's a strange name nameless cults hmm. it's uh, definitely strange she flips the first page hmm. you see a ton of German text obviously and she reads down the first page a bit and here it's talking about the various uh, secret societies and um, secret groups that hold on to strange and otherwise uh, unknown knowledge. Fascinating. She turns a page. Oh my. You see an absolutely horrific engraving on the inside of this. Gnarled tentacles and teeth that it's playing around the edges. And in the center of it, there is a man that's been cut in two. And the detail at which that they give his interior organs and skeletal structure is fascinating. And this uh, young Emma is going to roll Sandy now. Oh, poor Emma. As she's encountered the first grave image inside Nameless Cults. 
and she's got a two. Oh, so she's fine. She it grasps onto the book. She begins to perspirate. Just tiny little dots on her forehead. Mm. And she flips another page. It's quite um it's quite an interesting book to come upon. Where did you get this? Oh, it was a gift. It seems that you found a something they are calling here the they're calling this the a, a black book. Here, right here. Uh, as many many will search for it, it says. Hmm. Hmm. Her eyes narrow as she continues to look down at the book. Is there something specific you needed from it? Yes, I was rather interested in the idea of mm, transforming a body into dust. I read about something. She flips another page and another, and you continue to see these gross and debilitating engravings come up in this book. And they do not at all hold back. And she skips over them as if it is a simple elementary textbook. She skips over the tentacles. She skips over the beings that have frothing mouths aplenty. Um, she seems to have no issue searching through the book. For those of you who are looking on, even the pages as she flips them and you see them just momentarily, they're very shocking. Very. Beings of all manner and sizes and shapes. And I'm going to give her a hard intelligence roll. Alright. <laughs> she flips through the pages for probably a good 15 minutes. She begins to bleed from the nose. She continues to go. She seems a bit fastened to the table, at least with one hand. You can tell that the muscles, the musculature in her right hand has flexed to the point where it's pushed all the blood out of her knuckles. They are white, as is her face at this point. The blood that drips down from her nose does not land on the book or its binding. It pools there at her feet. Sorry, Michael, can I just um, clarify exactly who is there at the time? Uh, is it just Lady Elizabeth and this girl, Emma? And me, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's the two of them seeing this girl read this book. For the two of you who are in this room, why don't you both make spot hidden rolls? See if I can actually pass something today. That, that might be helpful. is not a pass for me. This is a 68. Okay. Oh, I failed. I see that. Uh, okay. You could push the roll or spend locked up to you. I'll push the roll. Of course you will. Why not? Right. What's the what's the worst that could happen? Maggie's a little too drained to push the roll at this point. <laughs> so I'm gonna get a little bit closer, like lean over her shoulder in a way that's perhaps not quite uh socially appropriate mm. but I'm just engrossed in the idea of this book mm -hmm. watch me fumble this <laughs> ooh success ooh. 53 under 59 okay uh, so you see that this 
this book is having an obvious effect on her. But moreover, the room itself has darkened quite a bit. Uh, it's been kept off by a lamp that you've put on um, just because you knew that you were going to have to do some reading. But as you look about the room just for a moment, it's as if everything else lightwise has has dimmed noticeably. It's almost as if this lamp in the room is now the only safety you have. It's not uncomfortable at all. Here it is. Here it is. You hear her voice excited and desperate. What did you find? There's a, uh, a passage here. Her fingers tremble over the text. It speaks of beings from another time and place that find their way into our world. They transport themselves along the edges and the cracks of our world. And uh, they hunt us when we read and, and when we look for things that we should not find. When she turns to you and says that, you being so socially um, strangely close to her, her eyes have gone completely opaque. Emma? Emma, are you there? Wake up, child. She doesn't respond. She grabs for you. I'm gonna pull back or try to. Okay. That would be either... A roll to dodge or to fight back on your choice. Well, I'm not very good at either of those. And she's at advantage. Mm-hmm. Because she's surprising you. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Oh, I succeeded on my dodge. Barely. <laughs> 26 under 27. You leap back just enough um, to get out of the way of her grabbing at you. And it's only with the one hand that she grabs at you with because the right one is still desperately attached to the table and the table is now shaking with her hand in it. Her lower jaw now is covered with the blood from her nose and Maggie, this is unmistakable. Even if you're tired and exhausted, the hour or so that has passed in this time of reading has become uh, quite something different. I imagine that when she reaches for Lady Elizabeth that wherever Maggie was sitting to rest, she would jump up and put her arm out as well to help protect Lady Elizabeth from this person. Okay. Go to interdict uh, and at least get in the way. And that's easy enough to do. Um, the, the young girl, Emma, doesn't so much swipe at you, but she seems to open her mouth wide as if to say something and nothing comes out. In fact, it doesn't even look like she has a tongue anymore. There's just a blank, dark hole where her tongue used to be. And now you roll Sandy. I'm so glad I decided to stay and not go to the police station. <laughs> I rolled a seven. Nice. Maggie's a picture of perfect sanity. <laughs> She's like, hey, listen, I just watched a professor become a pile of dust. This, whatever. A sanity roll time. I failed. Very badly. Oh, you did. You've rolled a 95. Ooh. Mm-hmm. It's not so, a fumble. It is not a fumble. Barely. I do take two points of sanity from you, though. Okay. Um, this uh, poor child, something is terrible. Something terrible has happened to her. 
And you're fairly certain it might be because she's read a book that she shouldn't. Um, that you gave her as well. Just <laughs> throw a little salt on that wound. I mean, if there's anyone to blame, it's you. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's how you'll um, potentially feel it. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the pang of guilt on your soul from having potentially damned yet another person. Maggie would probably be asking Lady Elizabeth at this point, what do we do? How do how do we get her her back? This is your book. You you know these things. You you know how to fix her, right? I don't fix things. I just read them. Go get Paul. Get Paul. Where is she in relation to us and the door? That is a wonderful question. The table is somewhat circular. It's small, right? But there's a chair for someone to eat breakfast if they needed to do or take tea in their room. There's a bed, and then there's, you know, the small balcony and whatnot. Very, very small, but but available. Uh, and so she's sort of in the center of the room. So you could skirt your way around her, but it's possible she could reach out and try to just grab you as you as you went. Yeah. I do want to do that, though, <laughs> to try to get out. Okay. So, I yeah, I'll try to move around the room to try to get kind of around her and out. And just hope her focus stays on Lady Elizabeth. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I uh, I think I'm going to ask you to make a dex roll to, to get around her. Okay. And if you fail, then you'll be within striking distance. Luckily, I'm fairly good at dex. You are. Uh, 23 under 85. Yeah, you are way too slippery for her. Mm-hmm. And so when she does reach a handout, you simply just twirl out of the way and head towards the door and know that... <laughs> For whatever reason, she's staying clamped to this desk with her right hand. And so uh, you can easily get out and around her. Hey, I'll bolt for bolt for Paul's room. You bolt for Paul's room. Uh, it's out in the hallway and then down a bit to the right. But uh, you're, you're, you're fairly fast on your feet. And so getting there is not an issue. Yep. I don't even knock. I just go. I just walk Bang. in. Oh. <laughs> Paul. Hurry, what? Uh, what? Lady Elizabeth, what? we need you. We need you in the other what? room. There's a there's a girl in there. She's in distress. So hurry, you have to come quick. Uh, but, um, okay. He grabs his doctor bag. You see him pile in like his his medical medical supplies and just like comes and turns. So in the room, Lady Elizabeth, um, this girl who's slowly seemingly transforming into something else, she continues to keep her mouth open and. After she swipes at Maggie, she turns back to you almost like she's got you cornered, even though physically, technically she doesn't. She keeps her eyes on you and her mouth and jaw continue to open. They distend. Who are you? Or what, I suppose? Um, She begins a very strange intonation, almost as if she's saying something, but the voice is far deeper than you heard her speak earlier and as she does so something begins to crack like along her jawline you hear bones start cracking like in her body very well I see we're not going to have a productive conversation at this moment is she standing between me and the book yeah because she still has her hand on it Mm. I don't want to leave my book damn it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, but I will just 
back away towards the door. Mm-hmm. Because obviously whatever this is isn't interested in talking. Um, so I'm just going to back away towards the door and hope that whatever it is will disappear and let me take my book later. But uh, keeping an eye on it, her, them, whatever, as I back away towards the door. Okay. Now, so, sorry, but if if I was with Lady Elizabeth and I mm-hmm. had to go around her you to did. get to the door, so so old Lady Elizabeth, you bet. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. There's no way she will she will have to come all the way around mm-hmm. and use Dex right. to get out of the to get out of the room. Oh, my Dex isn't very good. Mm, yes. Oh, but it's a success. Twenty eight under fifty five. Wonderful. Um, you duck too. Uh, you duck under two or three different swipes uh, as Emma mm-hmm. does her best to lay her hands on you. Um, I stave her off with my walking stick. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, you get out of the room and you come face to face way too quickly with Paul, <laughs> who is returning oh. like with his bag. Oh, excuse me. Uh, um, what's what's the problem? What's the problem? I'm not quite sure, but she appears to be breaking. Breaking, um, so he ducks his head back just, in the room. Yeah, just just look. Perhaps don't go in just yet. Oh, what? He turns back. What's, just what's wrong? Po- poke your head in and see what's happening, but don't go all the way in yet. Oh, all right. It, it's another strange thing hmm. in the catalog of tra- strange things. Huh. He looks in the room just slightly. He turns back to you. It looks like a girl. She should be fine. Paul, do you have anything that could sedate her? Ah, uh, well, certainly. She attacked both of us, and she her jaw opened, and she didn't have a tongue. What? He looks in the room. She seems fine to me. Can I look and see? You can if you'd like to. I don't like the way you said that, Mr. Diamond. I would just call in. Emma! I'll poke my head around the door. Her back is turned. She's facing the, the window out uh, of the uh, location. You see the, her hand is still firmly gripped on the on the book and on the table. She's fine. Uh, no, you didn't see her from the front. Perhaps a syringe of something you could stab her in the back with and that would oh, we could, knock yeah. her out? You have a strong throwing arm, don't you, Miss Bellinger? You could throw something and knock her out. Possibly. I just thought if we did it medically, it'd be a little bit easier. But if we have any bludgeoning objects, I could try that as well. Yes, yes. Uh... Paul kneels down and takes out a hypodermic, a very large one. Um, this is something I might use to um, to help Mr. Fraser or uh, Mr. Griffith get to sleep. It should work on her. I mean, she's fairly small, right? Uh, yes. You're certain uh, she's a problem. Uh, yes. Yes, very much a problem. Hand it to me, Paul. He hands it to you. Do, do, do be careful with it. I'll, yes, I just point the pokey end at them, right? Yes, and when it's in, push the plunger down. I think I can handle that. Oh, and, and don't, don't, don't any, any, any major arteries. I'll try not to. Good. Good luck. Thank you, Paul. You step in the room with the syringe, or are you just going to step around and throw it? Oh, no. I I, I don't... I know how a syringe works. I got to stab okay. her with it. You, you do. Yeah, it's not you like do a dart. Indeed. 
No. So it I have is to get close like enough to. Mm-hmm. Paul leans around and looks in as you step in. Ever trusting Paul. <laughs> the light has continued to dim in this room, and so now it is merely maybe three to five feet of ambient light around this single gas lamp that you had lit to read. I will try to, with as as much speed and agility as I can, mm-hmm. dart in, um, get her with this needle. I would imagine if I can get her when her back's turned to me, I'll try for like maybe like a, like a shoulder arm area. Um, but if she turns, then I'll just I'll, I'll be stabbing wherever I can stab. You step in and you will act before she does because you are far quicker. Okay. Uh, and uh, why don't you go ahead and make um, a fighting brawl roll? Okay. <laughs> All right. Dice treat me well. Eleven under thirty-two. That's hard success. Yeah. So you you reach in and you go to stab her. Um, she moves. She does not move to stop you from stabbing her. Uh-oh. She turns around, just just slightly enough to see the moment of impact, and you stab directly into her sternum with this hypodermic needle. And when you do, you come directly face-to-face with an entire body of skin and muscle. Emma is gone. What has been replaced is a somewhat gelatinous form of muscle, blood, and sinew. There are no eyes, there are no mouth, there are no ears. Her hair itself is merely uh, some sort of macabre wig, which falls to the ground as soon as the plunger is pushed. Miss Bellinger will sanity again. Yeah. (laughs) Super sane. Uh, I rolled an 82. So that is a fail for me. It is. And so I will take six sanity from you today. And you will now make an intelligence test. So glad Maggie went in instead of Paul. We can't replace Paul. <laughs> wow. Gosh. Uh, that would be an 18. Under 70. So you push down on the plunger. And you see this ball of this head sort of just bloodied flesh. It's not even discernible as a human face any longer, as I said. Uh, The form that's below you seems to tremble a bit. Um, And the only thing that you can think of is the note in the library, the whisper in that horrid dream outside the doctor's office. It's all happening again. And with Richard and the powder and the smells and the blood, your stress level breaks and you become an unrelenting ball of rage. That feels right. So you'll be busy for, say, the next nine rounds. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Lady Elizabeth, Paul gasps. Oh. What is it, Paul? And now he has to make, he has to make a sanity roll. <laughs> oh, dear. Poor Paul. Oh, look at Paul. What a trooper. Did he pass? He did. He did pass, oh. yes. 
Good job, Paul. He goes, oh my god! And he turns around and, like, steps back from the door. Don't go in there! I did tell you there was something wrong with her. You hear from inside the room a guttural growl. Like a human growl. Like something in there is angry. And there is a great cry that goes out in the room. And you start hearing like the slick and wet slap of flesh on flesh. Um, and this just bestial um, confrontation happening in there. Uh, Paul? I don't suppose Mr. Fraser and Mr. Griffith are still in the building? No, no, they went to the police station. Uh, uh. Um, Paul reaches out and tries to like close the close the door <laughs> just to reach in and like close the door um when he, when he reaches in to try to close the door his arm comes back with a bunch of like blood and muscle attached to it oh oh, oh my, my god miss <sighs> bellinger perhaps you should leave the room it doesn't seem safe to stay in the premises maggie you decide to leave the room yep I do? Oh, yeah. Because the the thing that's in here is now gone. Uh-oh. You've ripped it apart. Uh-oh. And so um, you're going to leave the room um, somewhat under your own reconnaissance, under the sense that everything in front of you must be ripped apart. Maggie will come out, slam the door behind her because she's just so pissed off at this point. And she'll grab Lady Elizabeth... Like her you shirt, like right around her collar. She'll try to grab Lady Elizabeth and just start <laughs> berating her about Richard and it all being her fault. Fault. She, she got Richard into this, and she got Emma into this too. And look, now Emma's gone. She was taken by that monster. It's all her fault. So what? What comes to what comes to grab you, Lady Elizabeth? Is Miss Bellinger covered head to toe in blood? She looks like she's been bathed in it. And when her red and sticky hand comes out to grab you and the associated beratement begins, it's rather shocking. It's not like sanity shocking, but it's like, holy crap. I'm holding her at, trying to hold her at walking stick length. <laughs> so I think it's going to be a posed brawl between the two of you. Yeah. yeah. Crap. The two characters with no <laughs> brawl. Because if that's the case, if she pokes me with her poking stick, I'd probably grab it and just shove it back. I didn't back. say I was poking you. I was just using Leave it to it. keep you away If it's close enough me. to poke me. I got a success. Good. Uh, uh, I did not. Okay. So you're keeping her at bay at the moment with, mm -hmm. with the stick. You're having to back up because obviously she's going to continue to press forward. Mm -hmm. Paul probably ducks out of the way, at least momentarily, because he doesn't want to get run over by a, you know, a train <laughs> called... Maggie, um, but he is fishing into his doctor's bag. Miss mm. Bellinger, you have had quite a difficult day. You could perhaps use a bath. I've had a difficult day. That girl is dead and Richard is dust. Let's not make this about me. This is about you and all the people that you dragged down with you. I had nothing to do with the professor. Thank you very much. He was very eager to go on this whole trip to begin with, and he's the one with the device that he keeps fiddling around with in his own room, when none of us are around to help him out anyway. 
That is, seems to me it's more his issue, or perhaps the other professor who sent us on this little cat and mouse adventure. Emma, perhaps, yes. Yes, her death oh. is on you. Mm. And her blood is on my hands. I did that to protect you, and you're so ungrateful all the time. What, what did you do exactly? Looking at all the blood. As I'm berating her, I want to try to take her cane and beat her with it. Okay, so that's another fighting brawl. These are just the things I'm saying as I'm trying to beat the crap out of her. Can I try to dodge that? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a posed fighting brawl, right? Oh, so okay. you, you get to, as a new round, you're going to get to fight back or you to dodge, uh, which I assume if you're going to try to keep the cane, it would be more of a, a, a dodge than a fighting brawl per se. I succeeded on my dodge. Okay. I rolled in 18 under 32. 14 under 27. Um, somebody be somebody by a point. Um, but on but a dodge on a versus on a dodge versus a brawl, the dodge wins if it's the same level of success. Yep, 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 yep. Same level of success. Unless unless somebody wants now, nobody wants to spend like that would be cruel. Yeah, you know what? Miss mm-hmm. Bellinger, the hand of fate's going to upgrade that success. Okay. Good. Oh. I mean, oh no. <laughs> um. So, <laughs> you you take it away. You take the cane away from her. Yeah. Finally. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that your brain has the desire to do at this point is to use that the head of that cane, that phoenix, to beat her to death. Yep. It sure does. So Paul stands up. Mm-hmm. And um, he is going to make a fighting brawl roll as well. Uh, Miss Bellinger, you can, you can oppose that if you would like. Yeah. I'll try to dodge. No, I won't. I'll fight back. I have this. I have a weapon. <laughs> You're right. Fail. All right. He succeeds. Um, so you see him coming like from your left in the hallway here, which is now spray spattered with whatever you've had on you before. Mm-hmm. And he grabs your, your left arm directly and jabs something into your ribs. When he does, you hear him say, now, now, my child, calm down. And you hear, you feel the plunge go into you. And I want you to make a hard con roll. Okay. Paul, you couldn't solve a children's puzzle. <laughs> I did not pass. I rolled a 46 over 45. Okay. You feel your legs start to go to jelly. And you feel his hand hold you up. And um, you're going to get one swing with the cane at disadvantage. And my question is, who are you swinging at? Uh, still Lady Elizabeth. This is all her fault. Sure. So dodge roll, if you would, Lady Elizabeth, and then uh, a disadvantaged melee roll from uh, Miss Bellinger. I failed. Uh, I also failed. I rolled a 45 twice. So. All right. Um, so you swing and you duck <laughs> your own cane. And as the steam kind of comes out of the ship, so to speak, you at last memory, Miss Bellinger, see the floor and it's getting very close gentlemen you have arrived at the local police station and well you have someone you desperately like to question well uh, mr griffith uh, would you like to do the talking or shall i i i think you should do the talking and i'm going to pass you this uh this small contribution to our war efforts very good. Well, let's see how the land lies. Uh, it may be that uh, the local constabulary here is is more uh, 
more willing to uh, speak to a gentleman such as yourself, uh, who has perhaps a little more experience in these matters than I do, but uh, let us sally forth. I doubt they speak American, sir. The two of you step inside the police station here and um, are unsurprised at the um, rather dour nature of most of the police officers here. There's probably four or five around. They're just kind of sitting around smoking and having a reasonable time. Now, to be clear, um, these men are just police officers. They don't appear to be black shirts entirely, but from what Mr. Fraser knows and then probably also what Simon would knew, would know about the heiress, far from being keeping up on the news, it might be a little hard to tell who is who in this in this building. Discretion, discretion, and err uh, on the side of caution. Uh, so I shall walk in. Uh, first thing I want to do when I walk in the door is just really try and get a read on uh, who's here, what kind of um, level of authority the people here seem to have, um, and also their, their general demeanor and how they react to uh, the two of us walking into the station. Um, Walking into the station, the thing that it seems anyway that they're most concerned about dealing with are several people here who are getting rather animated. It's really the strangest thing you've seen in Milan so far, uh, besides the powdery professor, as there's a few uh, just citizens in here who are um, just in uproar. There's uh, maybe five or six of them. And they're um, they're shouting about something um, in Italian. It's hard to to make out uh, at least a little bit, but but from the little Italian you may have picked up along the way, they're talking about someone dying. It's been a death. Okay. Um, is the is there like a desk with a desk sergeant or something like that behind it? Oh uh, yes, absolutely. Is, is he involved in this uh, this fracas this argument? Uh, no, he's giving them he's giving them his best Mussolini impression. Really, the uh, the rabble, the the basic uh, impression, the basic uh, you know foot officers, the beat cops, and what here are keeping them wrangled. But the uh, the, the desk sergeant has got his arms tightly around his chest. He's puffed himself up all five foot seven of him, and um, he's he feels very important behind his desk. And with his uh, his uniform on, it seems. Well, I am. Uh, I'm just going to kind of uh, stand to one side. If his focus is is on this group, um, I don't want to make any waves. I just want to be um, as kind of patient and polite uh, as possible. Certainly in the first instance. So uh, I'm just going to sort of stand to one side in the in the room and uh, and just watch the situation kind of passively and wait to see if it resolves itself uh they do um they do seem after a few minutes to get some of these um they look like workers uh that are being pushed back out the uh the door here and they're being told in effect it seems to go home um they push them out and continue to push them out kind of in a hustle past you and the uh the desk sergeant here waves the two of you forward Buongiorno. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, do you speak English? I do, he says in a relatively clear Italian tongue. Ah, splendid. Uh, I understand uh, you are holding a gentleman by the name of Anthony Dicello uh, in custody at present. We are? Um, I uh, have come uh, to effect uh, his release from custody. Hmm. Have you now? He kind of um, steps closer to the desk a little bit. 
I assume there is some uh, some uh, bail payment uh, to be made in order to uh, release him into my recognizance. Well, um, let me just see uh, here. He steps forward and props up a, a very large, wide black ledger book. He flips a few pages. Splendid. It seems here he was um, detained on uh, some rather troubling social matters. Seems he was um, may have verbally assaulted a few officers. Ah, yes, I, I, I understand there has there was some sort of a, a fracas and uh, uh, harsh words were spoken, and uh, I must uh, must apologize for the behavior of the young gentleman. Uh, rest assured that. Uh, he shall be dealt with in the appropriate manner as befits his his position and uh, his uh, his dis- disrespectful attitude towards uh, your officers. Mm. Mm. Well, I can tell you that the uh, local men here have already uh, had a chance to question him. Ah, I see, I see, I see. Well, uh, and- if, if there's nothing further that uh, you require uh, for the, the time being, then... Uh, if you would just let me know what paperwork needs to be completed, um, of course I shall ensure that uh, the the young gentleman remains in uh, within the the city limits, in order that he may be recalled by your, yourself and your officers, if if possible. And and might I add, what a what a fine job you are doing here, sir, keeping mm-hmm. law and order in this city. All right, sir. Let's give uh, give us a persuade roll then. Oh, I was going for charm again. <laughs> oh well, that charm is. Pleasing to me as well. Flattering him. Yes. Horrible little man. This little imp. Let's just see. That's a 38. Mm-hmm. Uh, my charm is 38. Oh, spot on. Um, he looks at the ledger and says, um, we require 2,500 lira to release him. 2,500 lira? That is some considerable sum. Uh, might I ask uh, why the uh, uh, the amount is so high for this? Uh, this man's merely a driver. He is not of any social, great social significance. He takes out a cigarette and lights it and says, It's, um... You understand that there are certain men that when we take them into custody... We have to be certain they are not a danger to the local population. If he is uh, going to verbally assault officers, Mussolini's men, uh, he is going to pay a heavy price. There was no physical assault took place, I, I, I hope. I would understand such, such a high fee for if there was, but uh, if it was merely words spoken. We have a saying where I come from. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt me. We have a saying here in Milan. You may have heard it already. Mussolini is always right. Oh, I, I do not doubt it. I have, I have no wish to, to uh, go against uh, the, the will of Mussolini. Quite, quite the contrary. Uh, well, you understand that. It, it may take some time to gather uh, that quantity of, uh, of uh, money together. Uh, might I suggest, uh, well... How uh, how would shall we say eighteen hundred lira cash uh, right now between ourselves? You see him look around a little bit. You can tell he's gauging, likely gauging who may have heard that. 
I'm, I'm going to. I want to keep my voice sort of. Oh sure, sure. Low, you know, just I had of. assumed that Fraser would be keeping mm-hmm. his voice down when mentioning direct uh, direct amounts. Oh yeah. He looks at you and says, "I'd be happy to accept it." Splendid. Then we have an agreement. So it's roughly about seventy-two pounds sterling, give or take. I shall go into my um, into my wallet and I shall. Uh, take out the, uh, the the money required. Um, I shall hold it in my hand. I shall place my hand um, on the table. Um, gently move my hand forward so he understands exactly what I'm doing, but there's no actual cash on display in the room. He very covertly accepts the money in a, in a well-worn method. It's fairly clear that your assessments of the local constabulary are right. Um, and, uh, he gestures to a man at the end of the room and says, um, if you go uh, to the man here, he gives you a piece of paper, bring this and tell Lorenzo there at the end of the, the room that you're here for him. He will, uh, take you to him. Very good. And if I might add, I would recommend, um, having your, um, associate or friend, Keep his voice down from now on. Understood. I thank you for your time today, sir. Mm. And I shall um, proceed in the direction that he he has motioned and uh, and speak to uh, Lorenzo. For his part, Lorenzo is a much taller, much wider uh, man. He's probably one of the, the largest Italian men you've seen here. He seems to function sort of as the head of their uh, lockup. And once he sees the slip of paper... Uh, either covertly or directly given to him. He asks you who you're here for and then tells you that he can escort you back. Excellent. Um, so I shall tell him we are here for uh, Anthony DiCello mm-hmm. uh, and proceed as directed. Back in this kind of grimy, low-lit lockup area, there's a young man who's sitting on a bench who seems to be twiddling his thumbs, for lack of a better term, and... As Lorenzo gets closer, the young man stands up and adjusts his jacket. You can tell, too, that his shirt has been pulled in a couple of places, and it looks like he has a black eye. Ah, Ducello. Hmm, I. He steps forward. Come with me, if you would be so kind. Um, absolutely, he says with a... He says in English, but with a pretty pretty significant Italian accent. Lorenzo opens the cell, makes sure that, uh, you know, Anthony doesn't hit any bars on the way out. Thank you. And uh, mm. I, shall, I shall shake Lorenzo's uh, hand uh, and there shall be a, a, a note um, cunningly palmed mm. in my hand for him uh, as an expression <laughs> of my gratitude for his good service. He takes it and smiles at you and says, have a nice night. <laughs> oh, grazie, I believe you say. Hmm. Come along now, Dicello. Now, what's all of this I hear about you uh, verbally assaulting members of the uh, the police force here? Uh, 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 just a minute, Jim. Um, we just, what, what's, we'll, we'll get out of here. We have to talk to you. Your let's aunt, just leave, sir. Let's, exactly. let's just leave you, with this gentleman now. We can discuss exactly. after, after we leave the station. Your aunt Isabel has been worried. Smile and, and at uh, Lorenzo and <laughs> Lorenzo smiles, and you guys exit a side exit of the station, back out on the streets of Milan. 
Yes, I, I'll I'll be playing the the whole berating him for being uh, for, for sure. offending and making making a fuss until we. He looks genuinely sheepish and humbled. As soon as we get out, I'll say, Mister Ducello, I must apologize for my harsh words earlier on. They were a necessary subterfuge to ensure that no suspicion was raised on the eyes of the constabulary. We are uh, friends uh, of your employer, uh, Signorina Cavallero. Hmm. Jim, Jim, Jim. No, please don't use my name in the uh, in the presence of the, the, the police station. We, we can talk later when we have a mo- quiet moment. I'm just trying to get your attention. Mr. DeCello, uh, let us head over to the other individual's house we were at inside and converse there. Yes, quite. I think that is safest and we will get the most information and the most understanding from everybody then. Yes, indeed. Let us make haste then. Mm-hmm. The three of you walk to Miss Cavalier's home, where soon after arrival, Isabel notices Anthony, and the three of you are propelled inside by her. She asks a bunch of questions of Anthony, and he seems to try to settle her as best he can. And so he begins between both English and Italian, explaining what happened. He explains that he, yes, he arrived at the station a little late and that Katerina had already evidently arrived. He asked the station manager who she had left with. And all he mentioned was that she got into a very nice Alfa Romeo. And this is when you hear from Isabel. She says, was it one of them made at the factory? Anthony says, oh, yes, yes. It's the, clearly it's something made locally. She got into an Alfa Romeo, a very nice one. And that's what he was told. He went back out front to locate her or locate any evidence of her. And he was immediately accosted by five men who work for Mussolini. And they took his car. He has no idea where the car is. And when he wouldn't succumb to whatever that that they wanted, they wouldn't explain what they wanted. They just wanted to, to bother him. They got into a verbal altercation, which eventually ended with him getting into a fight. And he lost a fight five to one, which is not surprising. They dragged him off to jail. They wouldn't tell him what he was being arrested for and what he was originally charged with. And that was yesterday. And he's been sitting in that god-awful police station for a day. Well, Anthony, we need to find out who would be driving an Alfa Romeo here in town. Can you help us with that, either you or Isabel? Well, I mean, there are several um, patrons of the La Scala that might afford something like that. There is a factory here in town. Who would the Signorina know that drives such a a vehicle? Well, um, um, Miss Cavallero is uh, very familiar with many patrons of the arts, you understand. They are familiar with her, and um, she has uh, relationships, uh, friendships with many of them here locally. They're what keep the theater going. And you say there's a factory hereabouts? Aye. Mm-hmm. Well, adding on to that, are any of these individuals, these patrons, in bed with Mussolini? 
Oh, it's hard to say. I'm certain many of them would have made certain compromises, um, perhaps during the war, uh, but no more than especially after he took power. Um, Mussolini was bound to come for their money. Yeah, but what I'm saying here is you have, you came out and you were accosted immediately and your car seized. So obviously this is someone who is probably kissing Mussolini's ass. And it's possible. Maybe it's just a, if it is perhaps a patron of the theater who wanted to, I don't know, um, maybe perhaps uh, wanted something specific from Miss um, Cavallero. Um, perhaps they would have paid the black shirts. Uh, many of these men have no uh, true loyalty other than to who is in power or who has the most money. The reason we ask is because uh, I, I'm not sure if you're aware of uh, the fate that befell um, Signorina Cavallero's sister whilst in Paris. Mm, no, I'm aware of Nina's death. And that was uh, related to the fascist movement. Mm. Uh, so my, my fear is, uh, and, and that of uh, Mr. Griffith here as well, that uh, that has uh, had repercussions on, uh, on Miss Cavallero herself. I don't know if her family has some... Some sort of uh, pr- trouble have had, has had trouble with the fascists. Uh. No, not in all of our times. They were staunch opposers of of Mussolini for certain, but they were not vocal about it. They were smart enough not to be vocal. So perhaps it is uh, possible that uh, this. Well, I'm going to use the word kidnapping because it seems mm. clear to me that that's what's happened. That this 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 kidnapping. Uh, is not, in fact, related to uh, the fascist movement at all. Perhaps there's something else at play here. As I told you, it could be an admirer who doesn't know any limits. Mm. She has had them in the past. There was one man. um, He's gone now, but there was an older man who I'm sad to say I had to um, be very uh, direct with. Are you sure he's gone? I'm absolutely sure. Uh, yes, but indeed, perhaps some wealthy uh, admirer uh, wishes her to uh, to stay uh, where he can have her sing whenever he wishes, hmm. like a, a bird in a gilded cage, as they say. Hmm. I have a I have an idea. Now I, I know Miss Isabel here doesn't speak very good English. Um, but you do, uh, Anthony. Hmm. She is the housekeeper here, so she would have received any mail, correct? I believe so. Would there be anything in the mail that might indicate, like, you know, messages prior to her return, stuff like that, that might indicate someone expressing an overdue interest in her? Anthony asks her, and Isabel, after a moment or two, shakes her head. She says that there, um, there has been just... Uh, nothing of the sort like that. Letters and... No letters, no flowers, boxes of chocolates and that sort of mm, thing? No, nothing undue. So, uh, I won't I won't ask how... Um, what, what brought you here? I assume you have um, a, a prior relationship or a, a friendship with Miss Caviero. Merely an admirer myself. Admirer of the... Her voice and her talent. 
And uh, yes, we were lucky enough to meet her whilst in Paris, and we were somewhat involved in uh, the situation with her poor sister. Mm-hmm. We, we did her a favor back then, yes. And she told us to look her up here, and of course she goes missing. So we, uh, you could say we have a vested interest in finding her. Of course. Perhaps some, it, it is late, and, and I must tell you that that police station has um, rotten appointments. I um, Perhaps tomorrow we can set out, and I can um, perhaps educate you a bit on how Milan works, and we can speak with some people. That would be excellent. If I could ask you one question then, sir. So you are offering to be our guide and our interpreter tomorrow. I'm willing I'm willing to help. You've 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 um <laughs> you've gotten me out of that awful place. Um and I owe you more than, than that, so it seems to me that I am in your debt. If you return in the morning, I uh I will do whatever I can to help you track her down. She's um she, she's my patron as well. And so uh, I, I must uh, find out what happened to her. I must locate her. Excellent. Until tomorrow, then. Uh, and uh, be safe. Keep your eyes peeled. Uh, we don't want uh, you to run into any bother with these uh, these young, young rapscallions. Will you be staying here, then, Anthony? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, excellent. Would you like uh, one of us to... Uh, remain with you as, as company for the night oh no that won't be necessary um <laughs> Isabel is uh well um he points to her and says to you in English she grew up uh, in the countryside she's very able do you have a phone um no but Isabel has a rifle ah well I was just going to suggest we could give you our number if you needed to reach us oh yes no no there's uh, Miss Cavero uh, removed the phone when it became too troublesome. Is it okay to carry rifles around alone? Uh, no. Well, dang. Well, if you uh, if you should require us uh, and uh, you have access to a public telephone or something of the like, we are staying at the uh, hotel. Very well. I shall, I shall reach you at the hotel, but for now, um, I, w- I will need to rest. Well, we will not take up any more of your time. Uh, it is good to see you out of the uh, the, the clutches of uh, of those people. Yes, I won't call them po- police because uh, I would not grace them with such a name. But uh, hmm. we shall uh, we shall see you in the morning then. Indeed, thank you again, sir. Uh, well, you're more than welcome. Uh, sleep well, and you too, um, uh, Mrs. Isabel. Yeah, she nods at you and says thank you in English. That's about all she can really muster, really, in, in English. Uh, she probably actually thanks you in French for that matter, because she knows that you speak French. Mm. The two of you return to the hotel as you get up the to the third floor. You see that Paul is working the hallway with a mop. Good Lord, what, what are you about, man? They have staff for this, you know. Are, are you cleaning up the professor or something? No, gentlemen, we've had an incident. You can see that the mop bucket, which is here is a bit ruddy brown. And all the color drains from Mr. Fraser's face. Is, is everyone all right? Um, everyone is of sound body. What, what, what happened? Uh, it seems that um, the reading that was done by Lady Elizabeth's book, um, there, there was a, 
a young lady downstairs who was able to read German. And at least from what I can ascertain, um, the young lady did not take very well to it and became um, altered. I have no idea. Her ladyship did not give her one of those heathen monstrosities to read, did she? I I don't know the exact details, sir, but I do know that Miss um, Bellinger became very angry with uh, Lady Elizabeth at some point and uh, attacked her. Good lot. Miss Bellinger attacked her ladyship. Uh, she's re- she's resting now, um, thanks to, well, uh, thanks to some medicinal support. But um, I-, I believe it may have just been something in the moment, you know. Was her ladyship injured? Uh, no, 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 sir, no, sir. Um, she is resting as best she can in her quarters after it's been cleaned thoroughly. Lady E is resting. Where's the young lady from the downstairs desk? Well, uh, she's not with us anymore, sir. Has the downstairs desk been informed of this? No, sir. Why would they be? Oh, shit. We thought it best. If you'll excuse me, gentlemen, I I shall return momentarily. I must uh, check on her ladyship. Sure. All right. So I'll go and uh, and knock on the door of uh, Lady Elizabeth gently, just in case she's sleeping. Yes, who is it? It's Mr. Fraser, your ladyship. Uh, Are you... Are you all right? I heard there was, there was something of a commotion earlier. There was a bit of an altercation. I'm sure it's fine now. Uh, are you all right in yourself, though, your ladyship? I open the door, with my, and I'm standing there with my freshly cleaned walking stick, <laughs> <laughs> holding it very, very tightly. Mr. Fraser is quite pale in the face. Are you, are you hurt, your ladyship? I, I heard that Miss Ballinger attacked you. Yes, she was in quite a bit of distress. Uh, but thanks to Paul, everything is quite all right. Uh-huh. Miss Bellinger is resting. Um, and uh, yes, I think we'll be able to get over this, perhaps. What, 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 what exactly happened? What, what brought her to that course of action to attack you? I mean, she's a, she's a spirited young, young woman, but I mean, that, that really seems quite beyond the pale. Uh, I do believe she was in a bit of an over-emotional state uh, between the professor's disappearance and all the dust everywhere, and then something strange was happening with uh, one of the hotel staff. And uh, there was lots of blood everywhere. It would send anyone into a bit of a tizzy, but I believe she was just perhaps a bit over-emotional at the time anyway. What blood? Whose blood? Oh, did I not say? Um, Emma, the, the she worked for the hotel. Um, she, she was injured? I th- she's gone. Where, where has she gone? I'm not sure. Is she, is she, is she well? Has she, she been taken to the hospital? Well, no. I, I, I don't understand you, your ladyship. What do you mean, she's gone? She, she, this, this is her, her blood? What? I'm not quite sure what happened, to be quite honest. She was acting very strangely and looked like she had no tongue. And yes, it was it was quite odd. And then Miss Bellinger used one of Paul's tranquilizers to. Well, we we were hoping to just calm her down, uh, and then the door shut, and then Miss Bellinger came out covered in blood. 
uh, and said that Emma was gone and then proceeded to verbally attack me. Again, she's a bit overexcited. I, I leave for one moment. <sighs> well, your ladyship, I'll, I'll, I'll go and attend to matters. As long as, uh, long as you're not hurt, and as long as you're, you're, uh, you're well enough yourself, then. Uh, oh, no. That's the important thing. I know how to control my emotions, unlike our American friend. Ah, well, yes, in, in, indeed, they, uh, they do live on a knife edge. Um, I'll have to say, Mister Mister Griffith is somewhat similar himself. Hmm. Yes. Well, perhaps, uh, perhaps she's doing better now. I don't know, but I, I'm quite fine. I assure you. Very well. Well, I, I shall leave you to uh, your peace and quiet, your ladyship, and uh, I'll go and see what needs to be done uh, along the hallway. Paul has done a splendid job cleaning up the hallway. Um, he is, um, well, evidently at some point he was a very good. He's very good at cleaning up blood. Maybe it's because of his profession. Who knows? Good God, you're a doctor, man, not a housemaid. <laughs> uh, well, uh, as you've said before, sir, um, need, needs must, yes? I'm just trying to keep it from getting into the papers or, or having anybody come up here and find out what's happened. I think you and I will, will have to have a, a sit-down and, and a good talk about exactly what went on here earlier on. I, I don't doubt. Um, but for now, um, I'm pretty exhausted, to be honest. Right, well, it, it's getting late, but um, I think... Uh... Perhaps a bite to eat and then a good night's sleep will do us all the power of good. I surely hope so. He goes not to his own room, but he goes to Maggie's room. It's been a little while yet, Maggie, but you, you begin to come out of whatever happened. It feels like somebody put like a sack of potatoes in your head. And so you're a bit drowsy. You hear Paul's voice in your ear and you're very thirsty. Paul? Mm, yes, Miss Bellinger, I'm here. Are you feeling okay? Oh my gosh. What happened? Well, we need to talk about that. You see that he's not too terribly far from the bed. He's probably a reasonable distance from the bed, but in his hand, he has a glass of water. Oh, Paul. Thank you. I'm so thirsty. Hmm. I thought you might be. Paul, did you drug me? Well, I don't like to think of it like that. I'd like to think of it like I kept you from hurting someone kept me from hurting someone. Well, I guess I did say some sharp words to Lady Elizabeth, but I'm sure she's she's tough. I think you may have had an episode. A, um, well, in what we would call them in Charrington is a, a psychotic episode. And I'm very concerned about what happened today. Well, so am I, Paul. You didn't see what I saw in that room? Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, yes, I am very concerned about what happened today as, as well. Well, the others are back now from the police station. I'm not sure what's happened there, but, but I'm hoping that you'll take my advice and, and get some additional rest tonight and, um, perhaps it will do you well. Yes, I should probably speak to Lady Elizabeth when I have the chance as well. I'm certain the two of you will have much to discuss. He stands up. Well, thank you for looking after me, Paul. It's my pleasure. He straightens his coat, and he steps out the door. And it isn't probably more than a few gulps of water and a soft door click afterwards that you are desperate for sleep again. 
And so I'm going to draw this session to a close with all of you nicely and quietly tucked into bed. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward very much to seeing you and letting you hear us next week when we have something very special in mind. Have a wonderful evening or day wherever you are, and we shall hear from you soon.